Praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on this beautiful Monday morning here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. We're glad that you chose to gather around God's, worth, God's Word with us and uh, whenever it might be that you found us on social media. And I'm so thankful that the Lord is expanding the borders of the ministries that are proclaiming the great gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at this very moment. Uh, we are gathered around 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning. This is part 6 of chapter 4 here in the first letter that Peter wrote. And uh, what we're looking at is the topic of really what this entire letter is about, this first letter, which is learning to deal with the consequences of suffering. And uh, I hope that you'd find our website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and I hope that you'd find our YouTube channel and subscribe to it so you could be alerted of everything new that we do. It's Curtis Hutchinson 316. And uh, so we're just so grateful again to be here. And as the last two sessions were brought out, uh, the, the great focus of this entire letter, and I don't know that I'd ever really seen that before. I'm learning so much as we study for this teaching, and we, we're, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to put our feet in the truths that, was given, that were given to Peter to give to us. You know, the Lord told Peter to feed his sheep. To, to feed his lambs, and that's who we are, the sheep of God's pasture. And therefore, we surrender our hearts and yield to the, the Holy Spirit teaching us through our looking at Calvary, through our looking at what God shows us, commands us that we be yielded to, and always delivers us unto and that, that's literally true, 2 Corinthians 4.11. Us who are alive, the Holy Spirit always delivers us unto the death of Jesus. It must be that way, my friends, for us to be able to see and understand and experience with our feet in the truths, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth came to guide us into and so many Christians have settled, at least I'm saved and on my way to heaven. But that's not really a proper heart toward God. A heart toward God is a heart that's broken and contrite, knowing there's more, desiring more. Not just more of anything, but more truth, which is always going to be in the context of Jesus Christ, who claimed he is the truth, and what he did at Calvary to make that truth applicable to our hearts. Outside of that, it's just men doing what men do. And the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything except within the perimeters of one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ. He couldn't save you till you believed in the sacrifice of Christ. And the work he began there when you first believed, he's only, only able to continue that work as you keep your faith in the death of Jesus. Not that you say, well, of course I believe that. No, no. It's what we are believing. It's what we are depending on. It's what our faith is literally in. You can't put your faith in anything other than in Christ, meaning 
in his death. That allows you to experience the union with your Savior in the only place it can be experienced, in his death. And some might say, well, I've not only died with him, I've been buried and resurrected and raised to newness of life with him, and even I've been made to be seated with him in heavenly places. That's all true. But do you not know that the Bible says we've received the mind of Christ? And as we brought out in the last session, the mind of Christ, Peter wrote about what that is for in the very first verse of this fourth chapter. And Paul wrote about what the mind of Christ is for in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you. Talking about the mind of Christ. And then it talked about how he, he was obedient unto the death of the cross. Let that mind be in you. And Peter writes in verse 1 of this fourth chapter, as Christ has suffered in the flesh, Likewise, you also arm yourselves with the same mind. If it's not us arming ourselves and being prepared to suffer for faith in the sacrifice of Christ, then, 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 then we're, we're using the mind of Christ outside of the purpose we were given this. And we'll see this today even more so in the Scriptures. You know, the, the Bible here uh, tells us that we should not think it strange in verse 12 when, when we're tried, when these fiery trials come upon us. And, uh, you know, trials for the Christian, fiery trials are, are as expected as a hotel owner when someone comes in and says, I'd like to reserve a room. The hotel owner doesn't go, what in the world? I'm surprised that somebody, you want to do what? You want to reserve a room? I mean, that, that, that's about equivalent to as, as us as Christians realizing and, and not being expectant of fiery trials. They're, they're expecting. I mean, I heard a preacher recently say, they, they rejoiced when they heard someone else was suffering because of their faith in Christ. Of course, we don't rejoice in what they're having to experience and, and, and the, the, the awfulness of things that go on, but we rejoice in that Christ is be glorified through their suffering, the loss of this, the loss of that, learning to count these things as the dung they really were anyway, and to count these things as loss that they really were anyway. They were robbing us of where the Lord desires us to go. And really that'll always be, listen carefully, that'll always be the result of true biblical suffering for righteousness' sake. What we're going through, we're being tried. It's our faith on trial. And when we get through it, we will be able to look back and say, man, I'm counting all that loss. I'm counting all that dung for the sake of excelling in the knowledge of Christ. That's what, isn't that what Paul said? For the sake of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, the excelling excelling, advancing, moving in the knowledge of Christ. And, and many times uh, we have to suffer to, to get into the area of being made moldable and pliable so that we can find that breakthrough into 
are, should we talk about having breakthroughs into, but it's really breakthroughs and out of those things that we can now look back and see they were lost. They were causing us loss. They were hindering because once you break through the trial, the fiery trial, you can look back and see God's faithfulness and what he brought you through, what he revealed to you, and what you at one time thought you had to have, and now you realize a little bit more that you don't need anything but him. Hallelujah. And, and, and through these fiery trials, uh, we, we learn to depend upon him more. And, and listen very carefully. That doesn't mean just a smorgasbord of different, different ideals. That means we ch if it doesn't mean this, then we're, we're going to have many, many, many trials. Uh, we're always going to have trials. But until we learn that what these trials are for, basically... Always is to teach us to depend upon him and what he did for us in the great redemption work on Calvary's cross. There's where we find ourselves crucified to the world and even walking through these fiery trials. And it's also where we can learn to see the world crucified to us. These fiery trials, the Bible tells us here in verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's to try you. It's not to get you to look out at, at other things and begin to blast other things. The trial is there to try you, to try your faith, and don't consider it as some strange thing has happened. We all done that, though. Initially, we're like, I can't believe this is happening. Haven't we? We, we've all, we, do, we all do that initially. Man, Lord... How could this be going on? It was seen to be so good. Why? How can this? Why is this? What am I going? I, and we're shocked. We're shocked. Now, I'm not talking about all suffering. The Bible here is talking about suffering for righteousness' sake. Suffering for your stance in the truth of the gospel. Suffering for your unmovable faith from the cross of Christ. That's right. That's the only place you're going to find a reproach for the name of Christ. His name is Jesus, and it means Savior. And there's only one avenue in which he can save you initially or daily from yourselves, and that's the work he provided on the cross in his death. And when you stand determined to know nothing other, to preach and teach the word of God, when, you, when you're determined to not move away from that, my friend, you might as well learn to be expectant of fiery trials. Who else do you think uh, the, that the enemy is going to be unleashed upon? Who, who else... Uh, who else is understanding that it takes trials for us to learn patience, for us to uh, learn to allow patience to have her perfect work where we won't be found lacking in our experience of anything? I mean, think about that. But we do. We get shocked. I can't believe this is happening. I just, Lord... How? Why? Uh, what? I mean, and we're shocked, but we shouldn't be. 
And what we have to learn to do, and listen, you won't ever learn, you won't ever understand suffering. And most Christians today are not suffering for their sake of their stance in Christ. They're not suffering for the name of Christ, for the reproach they carry of the name of Christ. Most Christians today, suffering is, is, is physical suffering or, or, or mental suffering. Most suffering is because of their quarrels among them or them. Most sufferings that Christian experience is not due to them carrying the reproach that comes with standing in the liberty wherewith Christ made us free. Most suffering among Christians is not because of a Christian being determined not to know anything other than Christ and Him crucified. Most suffering is because of some squabble over this, the color of the carpet. Most suffering is because they didn't get their position they wanted or they, they thought all this unnecessary suffering when we could be involved in true biblical and proper suffering which can only come about if we're partaking, learning to partake of the sufferings of Christ. Really and truly, my friend, it's the only place God offers us fellowship with Him. Our fellowship is to be the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And when it is, then we're learning the power of the resurrection, which is that of the power of the cross. If all we do is suffer and suffer and suffer, as we brought out in the last session, everybody's suffering, but God forbid the Christian lives his whole life suffering and it not be suffering for being a partaker of Christ's suffering, sufferings for not being uh, 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 or bearing the reproach of the name of Christ. I mean, think about that. It's so sad. But I'm, I'm, this is why I'm so thankful today that the message of the cross has come into some people's lives and then into other people's lives and then into other people's lives and then into my life. And I'm thankful for those that minister this great truth and have a determination not to uh, know anything else and not to allow the, the ignorance of shepherds uh, that, that, that don't know this truth. God said in Jeremiah 23, 4 and 5 that he would set shepherd, shepherds among his people and that, that they would feed them and what they're fed there will remove fear, dismay, and lack. There's only one message, my friend, that can remove fear, dismay, and lack. And I know you're probably thinking, well, we got a whole Bible, and faith can come by hearing and hearing any place in the Bible. Well, that's true if we're hearing God's Word in its righteous context. Think about that. Second Peter 1 and 1, we'll get to it one day. The Bible says that the faith that we have that we've obtained come through righteousness. It comes through righteousness. And all God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And His righteousness is revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. So if we're not hearing God's word in light of the cross, which is the gospel of Christ, then faith is not going to come that gives the illumination and the impartation that's needed for our feet to be in liberty and 
freedom and any anything. It's not going to happen, and that's the problem with the church. They've moved away from the cross, and even those, almost all of those that get up and preach a message on returning to your first love, if it doesn't have anything to do with the cross of Christ and your union with him there in his death, the place you first recognized his love, and he shed it abroad in their heart, and, and they're not being told that's where they have to stay, then, my friend, it, it's a message that couldn't help anybody except the hairs might have moved on our arm and we felt good about what we heard. We felt good about what we now think we have to do. But if that's not where we're learning to abide in Christ, then it's just another message. So I want you to think about that. It, 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 all Christians aren't suffering for righteousness, for the, bearing the reproach of Christ's name. It's not happening. For the most part, as I've already said, it's suffering for this and that and suffering because we don't agree with them or we don't agree. All this suffering. If suffering is not for righteousness' sake, then, then it, it, it's not, we're, not, we're not walking in a place and, and knowing our Lord more. Paul said that I may know him, Philippians 3.10. Well, he already knew him. Christ Jesus. He already knew Christ Jesus. He's talking about that I may know him more, that I may be found growing in this excelling knowledge. How did he say it was going to happen? Let's turn over there and look at it today. Why don't we lay our eyes on it? Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. This is where we begin to learn Christ. Learning Christ is experiencing Christ. And he said, you can't do that unless you're carrying your cross. You can't do that. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Luke 14, 26 and 27. If you don't take your cross up, if you don't carry your cross, if you don't bear the cross, you cannot be my disciple. The word disciple means learner. You can never ever say that the cross, the message of the cross does not need to be a part of every message. When you say that, you're being seduced, you're moving away, and you're helping bring a blurred state into the church. We can do it. doesn't matter if we've taught this message 40 years for fleshly reasonings and purposes and hidden agendas, we can be moved away from a determined place. We can allow the fire to go out. We can allow the light to go out. We can go blind again. All these things are in the Word of God. But if we're going to know our Savior more, it's going to be as we learn the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings as we are being made conformable unto His death. Do you understand that? Outside of that, my friend, we're just in big trouble. And I know what I'm talking about because I was there for years, even in ministry, for several years, not knowing the answer. And all those that we were tied to then, I hate to say it today, but they still don't know it some 20 years later. I thought, man, when we got a hold of this truth and this great light, which is the only truth that God works in, is the truth of His Son and what He did at Calvary, I thought, 
thought everybody in the church would come running to this great truth and want to hear it and hear more of it and never stop hearing it. But what I've seen is it, it brings suffering. It automatically brings suffering. The cross, the way of the cross, is the only way of Christ. And if you choose to yield to that truth that saved you and to keep yielding to that truth so that you can remain inexperienced by faith, serving obedience under righteousness, my friend, you, you, you just learn to expect suffering. You learn to expect uh, being called names. All the time. You, you expect in your family or, your, or the church in your community to look at you like, well, they just don't want to have anything to do with any kind of unity. They don't want to have anything to do with us. We get together, they won't come because I know it's just a big smorgasbord and there is no scriptural unity there just because they use the name Jesus. If, if we're not gathered around the sacrifice of the Lamb, then there is no true unity. There is no true power. And we just have to pretend and make believe and put on an entertaining show. And that's the way it's always been. It'll be the way it always is until we come to the unity of the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. And we don't come together just because we're saved. We come together because our faith is in that today. We're depending on that today. The word of God is opened and we're seeing that today. Hallelujah. And we're crying out, worthy is the lamb. Hallelujah. Not just in a song, but then preaching something else. Hallelujah. No. And that's what brings suffering. When you walk, and see, some years ago, 25, 30 years ago, the message of the cross began to filter into the church again, and a great last day's reformation began. And I've got news for you. It is going on with greater fire and power, but it's among those that God is taking to a place, and they're not allowing the, the fire to go out. You can watch many places where the fire is going out and it's because they've refused to be determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. And the reason we do that, listen, there's only one reason we do that is because the flesh says enough, enough, enough. It's like a broken record. The flesh will never stop doing that while you're carrying the cross. While your faith is literally in the cross, our flesh will never stop. It'll be like a dripping faucet all night long, all day long, a dripping, worrisome faucet. Our flesh will constantly cry out, enough, 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 enough of this cross stuff. I'm telling you, folks, that, that never stops because either our flesh is suffering denial or our relationship with Christ is suffering. Come on, somebody. I got to say that again, my Lord. Either the flesh is suffering as it is denied or our relationship with Christ is suffering. One of them is suffering. And I choose rather to keep my faith in what crucified my flesh and brought about its suffering through being denied and put down and put away. So that instead of self being magnified and glorified, 
Christ can be magnified. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Either way you go, suffering is inevitable. So there is a great move of God taking place. And, and, and there's been suffering in the midst of all of it. And there will always be as those whom God uh, shows this through the fear of the Lord he finds in their hearts uh, that, that, that there's a place of being determined. And, 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 and until we learn to be determined to know nothing else, we'll act. We, listen very carefully. We've got a hold of the message of the cross. You remember, you remember when we didn't have a hold of it and the things we were saying negatively about the people who we were listening to teach it and preach it. And we were sort of throwing stones and rocks at them. Well, if we're not careful, if we don't move on into a more determined place to know nothing other but Christ and Him crucified, we ourselves will throw rocks at those who the Lord is bringing into the light of His predetermination, eternal determination, the determination that the apostle Paul got a hold of to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. If we're not careful, when, when, when this move of God, this reformation begins to take, take greater hold, deeper rooted, hallelujah, in this truth, if we're not careful and we don't choose to become this determined to know nothing else, we'll begin to throw rock, the flesh, the flesh will begin to say negative things about those who do choose to want to know Christ more. Through this one avenue he's known more through, knowing the power of his resurrection, which is what? The power of his death. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Everything, the, all, the, all the life and power, resurrection life and power only flows, hear me carefully, out of the seed of the woman that was planted in death. And there, this life we have is found in the root system that comes out of that Savior, the seed of the woman that was planted in death. That's why Colossians 2, 7 says, rooted in Him. There's no place to be in Christ except through faith in his death. Then we're in the root system. Hallelujah. That's why he's not only the seed of the woman, but he is the root of Jesse. And those roots go deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is what Paul was saying when he said, I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection. In the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb. This, my friend, is what brings sufferings. You look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and you'll see in his very last letter that he wrote to Timothy. And by the way, basically the only people in Paul's life at that time were the people he was writing to. He tells Timothy in the last letter he wrote to him, you know, Timothy, all those in Asia have forsaken me. This is a way of being forsaken. Look at Jesus as he went to the cross. The closer he got to it, the more he was forsaken. Think about it. I want you to understand, my friends. You're suffering. But the route and the avenue of suffering 
we got to count the cost. Jesus has already paid for all of it. Hallelujah. Let's look at these scriptures today. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's going to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Paul, when he penned Philippians 3.10, knew. He knew that partaking of Christ's sufferings is where he was going to learn the power of the resurrection, which was the power of the cross. Think about it. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy, blessed are you, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. When is God glorified here in this aspect of suffering? When we're suffering for, the, for, for holding dear, standing in this liberty, this freedom, this truth of Christ crucified and not moving and not being a part of these other mixtures of leaven. You know, you, you're not supposed to be a part of any leaven because the, the, the word is not that what you have is going to take over the whole community, take over the whole church, the whole ministry, like I hoped it would when I got a hold of this. The word is, if leaven is allowed in, it will consume the whole lump. And again, I said it on the last broadcast. Let me say it again. The Lord spoke to my heart several days ago and told me, if leaven comes in, it will saturate the whole lump. Everybody involved will be saturated. They will become dimmed in their view. They'll, their vision will become blurred. It doesn't matter how much they're still talking, those things that are right while they're allowing leaven in. God says you cannot escape the saturation of the leaven if you sit there in it and allow it. You will not escape it. You will not escape it. And, 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 and others can watch and see wherever this is going on in all the world, you can always watch and see where the message of the cross is that which is rooting out, uprooting the leaven and, and, and pushing it back away or where the leaven is coming in and saturating and saturating the whole... You can watch, it's happening. You can watch it. And it makes no difference... How long we've preached this truth, how powerfully we've preached this truth. If leaven starts coming in, my friend, the root reason is this. We're avoiding the suffering. Now, I'm not talking about all the suffering that you have to endure just because you're in ministry. If you're in ministry, you're going to suffer at all times because of very many things going on. Really, the root of all proper suffering is because you're bearing the reproach of the name of Christ. And when you're being rebuked for allowing leaven to come in, that's not suffering that you're called to. And we don't like to be rebuked or reproved when it's us who are allowing leaven to come in. And we're suffering 
in an unbiblical way of suffering because we're not dealing with the rebukes and the reproving as we should. Listen, we better be very careful of what we allow our ears to hear. The root of all, the purpose of all leaven is to try us coming in, to try us, to see if we'll stand our ground and stand our ground and watch leaven leave. Or whether we will avoid suffering. Hear me carefully. Whether we will avoid suffering by being, a saturate, by being saturated by the leaven. Because we'll either be saturated by what the mixture is bringing in and we'll suffer in a wrong way because of that. Or we'll suffer a godly type of suffering for the reproach of the name of Christ as we stand against anything comes in to tries to milk down and, 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 and bring confusion, which always brings about contradiction. But watch verse 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, blessed are you, because the Spirit of glory... And of God is resting upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Now, let's talk about this, the spirit of glory and of God resting on you. Think about that. The spirit of glory and of God resting on you. If you're suffering... For, the, for, for carrying the reproach for the name of Christ. The spirit, the spirit of glory can only be found resting on us, listen very carefully, as we are going from glory to go, glory. Going from glory to glory is when the, happens when the spirit of glory and of God is resting on you. The hope of glory, who is our Christ dwells in us as a Christian no matter what. But for the spirit of glory and of God to rest upon you, you must be found by faith going from glory to glory. Going from the spirit of glory and of God resting upon you to the spirit of glory and of God resting upon you, going from glory to glory. That doesn't happen two ways, three ways, only one way. Let's talk about that this morning. In the Bible, we're told that we're being made conformable to the image of the Son of God in Romans 8 and 29. But if we leave today after hearing that, we can all do what we want to with a different mindset on what that means. Therefore, the Spirit of Truth gave the Apostle Paul the focus of what we must see and know if we're going to be found by biblical faith being in the, experience, the conforming experience of being made conformable to the Son of God. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 tells us that this is happening as we're being made conformable to the death of the Son of God. 
We are all as Christians being offered the potential is there to be in the experience. It does not automatically happen. But by faith in that which saved us, if we keep our faith in that, in that depending, believing on, in, in that which saved us now, the death of Jesus, then we will be found being made conformable unto the death of the Son of God. What that literally means is not, not that we're being made conformable to a, a bloody, gory mess hanging on a tree, but that we're being made conformable unto the very man that Jesus saw, what, what God saw, rather, when he saw his Son dying for us as the Lamb of God. What did he actually see there? Some months ago, I began asking the Lord, Show me, O Lord, what you saw at Calvary. Show me what you saw at Calvary. We see what we see and what we picture, but Lord, show us what you saw. Because what you saw is what you had to See, it's what you had to have. It's what had to happen for us to have everything that we have. To be everything that we are, we had, we had to have what it was he required and what he had to see and approve. And the Lord began to show me in the scriptures, even in the writings of Peter, what he saw. He saw a man who was humble and obedient unto death. We see that in the writings of Paul to the church at Philippi. That Jesus became a servant, humbled himself as a man led by the Holy Spirit and became obedient unto death. He was never not obedient. He was never disobedient, but he remained obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. And then Peter comes along and he writes, and let's turn there and, and look at it together this morning uh, here in 1 Peter where we've already taught in chapter 2. And look at how beautiful this is and the, the, the application of it today by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth in our teaching for us. Verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 2. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Here they are. Here's what God saw at Calvary, my friend. Here is what we're being made conformable to. Listen very carefully. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judges righteously. Mm. That's, this is what God saw in his son that he sent from heaven as the last Adam to be the Lamb of God to take away our sin. This is what God saw, a humble, obedient servant a man in this condition, perfectly, led by his spirit, the eternal spirit, Hebrews 9 and 14, who only 
committed himself only to the one, his heavenly Father, who judges righteously. Watch now the next verse. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We've been left an example, and that example, my friend, is suffering. And that doesn't mean our, our, we go call suffering. No, we keep our faith. We earnestly contend for the faith and to fight the good fight of faith, to keep our faith in the sacrifice of Christ when we're reviled, when we're threatened, when we're called names by those who refuse to move on into a determined place and to block all leaven as the Apostle Paul did in his ministry. This is what God saw on the cross. This is what we're being conformed into the image of, but it cannot happen now. Let's go on to our next verse and what we're talking about this morning because you have to see this. You have to see that you're being conformed into the image of the Son of God, Romans 8 and 29. It's the image that God saw on the cross, His Son's death. That's what you and I are being conformed into the image of. And 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, let's look at it today. It is so beautiful for those who have eyes to see. It is so beautiful for the heart who is found submitted, yielded to obedience unto righteousness only takes place as we behold this that God shows us always, always every moment of your life it's your God who's trying you. The root of all trying, God is behind all of it. I want you to know that. Nothing can happen to a child of God if God doesn't allow it. And if our God is only delivering us who are alive, Christians, born again, Unto the death of Jesus always, and that's 2 Corinthians 4.11. It's right there in your eyes. It's right there in our face. If, if we don't learn this, that this is what he delivers us unto always, this is what he delivers us unto always before he can even walk us into the learning experience of finding our feet in truth. Remember, all his words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. And his righteousness is revealed in the gospel. To who? Those who go from faith to faith. The just are living by faith to faith to faith. Footsteps of faith that only take place as we are, hear me, beholding the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in the gospel. 
As the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel through the truth we hear, Proverbs 12 and 17, he that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. My friend, you're not hearing truth if you're not seeing righteousness. You are not hearing truth if you are not seeing righteousness. That's a powerful statement, but it's a scriptural reality. And so God has to always turn us over to, deliver us always unto death before he can teach us the truths written in the word of God and apply them by the blood. This proves that God doesn't work outside of the perimeters of one's faith in that which he's delivering them unto always, which is the death of Jesus. And it tells us there in 2 Corinthians 4.11 why. So that we can express the life of Christ. It's so wonderful. It's so powerful. And you might think, well, I ain't never heard nobody else say this. Well, it's always been written in your Bible. It's always been written in your Bible. Are you waiting on some specific preacher? Are you waiting on the Holy Spirit to guide you into more truth? Are you waiting on some specific pastor or preacher, TV, somebody? Are you waiting on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth that was sent to you? You received the anointing, which is the truth when you were saved, and He can teach you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. So watch this now. Because what I'm sharing with you today is what is going to bring a great degree of suffering. And you will opt out only to avoid suffering because the scriptures are apparent. They're there. The reason we want to put our own twist on it is to avoid the suffering that comes because of a deeper walk with Christ being found rooted deeper in that cross life. That cross life. Hallelujah. But watch this now. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, the Bible tells us, but we all, Christians now, because the veil has been removed through our faith in Christ Jesus, with open face, no more veil, beholding, that means looking at something, seeing something, as in a mirror, the glass, the looking glass, the mirror, the reflection, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord, watch, are changed, and it means being transformed, conformed into the same image. What have we already learned scripturally? The image we're being conformed into is the death of Jesus, that which God saw on the cross, hallelujah, and that's what we have to be looking at. And if we're not, we're not seeing what the Holy Spirit is showing us, delivering us unto, commanding that we yield to so that we can remain servants of righteousness or obedience, rather, unto righteousness, Romans 6.16. And when we go around the cross, we're trying to look around what God's delivering us unto. And yes, if we will see, accept, yield to that which God always delivers us unto. That means there's never a moment. Job chapter 7 verse 18 says that our God, our God 
is trying us every moment. You need to write that down. You need to go look at that. The, the Word of God says that our God is the one who's trying us every moment. He's not tempting us to sin. He's trying us to see if we'll keep looking and beholding that image that we saw that saved us. Hallelujah. That image that will keep on saving, sanctifying, transforming, conforming us into the very image we're being delivered unto every moment. Every moment. This is the place of revival. This is the place of the great reformation. This is the place we find the moving and the operation that is scripturally the Holy Spirit. This is the place of revival, my friend. The place of restoration. He restores our soul as he leads us in this path of righteousness. Glory be to God. Righteousness, that which our God saw a man depending on wholeheartedly, fully, without flaw, without breaks, without taking a break. Unto death, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was trusting in our heavenly Father, His heavenly Father, as the man that He was dying for the people that we were. Hallelujah. God saw Him depending only on on him and his righteousness. Glory be to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. This is why this is a fire. Oh, that can be shut. It is shut up in our bones, but it's going to find, it's going to find a place to burn bright. Hallelujah. This is why we can't move away from the focus of Calvary. We can't allow people to come in who don't have the focus of Calvary. I don't care how talented they are. It's not about that. I don't care how well they can speak. It's not about that. It's about those who God has called as shepherds and who He has placed among His sheepfold. Because the message that He gives them to feed His sheep and those that love Him are those who are feeding His sheep. Remember Jesus and Peter, the, 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 the situation there, the communication there, the conversation there. Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do, do you love me? Y yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord. You, you, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. And my friends, there's only one meal. There's only one there's only one sustenance. There's only one provision on the table that's there. Even in the presence of our enemies, it's the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many negative things will be said about those who are in revival. Why is that? by other Christians who are not experiencing this revival. And so they have to call that revival and this revival and all these things. There is no revival unless it is an awakening unto righteousness. The Bible says, awaken unto righteousness and sin not. Awake, and this, that was written to the church. 
of Corinth. Awaken unto righteousness and sin not. And the only way, one exclusive way we awaken unto righteousness is when the Holy Spirit can illuminate the righteousness of God's words and show us that they're only found in the gospel and that the faith that comes by hearing the word of God can only come through that righteousness and we learn to keep our faith to contend for the faith, to fight the good fight of faith. That is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us on Calvary's cross. And when you are brought to that place because the Lord finds the fear, his fear in your heart. Remember Psalms 25 and 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he shows them his covenant. Who are they? They're those that are preaching the message that removes fear, dismay, and lack. The message of the cross. From Genesis to Revelation, there's a scarlet thread that runs through. And there's no words in your Bible that cannot be encompassed in the truth of Christ and Him crucified. For when we play around with God's words outside of their righteous context, meaning outside of the way of the cross, then all that can be produced there is ungodliness and unrighteousness and the wrath of God revealed from heaven is against all the fruit of everything that is not faith in the sacrifice. That is not the Word of God in its righteous context. Romans 1.18 tells us that. So expect suffering. It's coming. And the greater the revival, true revival, the greater the suffering. The greater the persecution, the greater the criticism, the greater the division among the church, while you, who are determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, will be accused of causing the division. You will be accused of not preaching love. You will be accused of throwing people away. You will be accused, even though many have glorified God for years using the testimony that I have of coming out from among them. Coming out from among who? What have we been glorifying God? What have we been glorifying God about in, in my testimony all these years? Who did I come out from among? I came out from among those who love God and know the answer for salvation is the way of the cross, but they don't know it for sanctification and now, after all these years and hearing what we've preached and knowing what we preach, they don't want to go this way. That's who I came out from among. And now, if you don't choose to be determined to know nothing else, you will turn that very testimony that we've used for years to glorify God, and you will say, well, maybe we've been elitists all this time. Because see, we came out from among those where there's mixture. They can get you saved, but they can't help you. But 
They can't help you live for God because they don't know the answer for what removes fear, dismay, and lack. If they did, they'd be preaching it. So for years, we're going to glorify God through my testimony. But now, we're going to look at that and say that because I won't let them that I came out from among preaching my pulpit, that I'm not loving. Have I not been loving? Was I not loving when I came out from among them? Was I not loving all these years by learning to preach this message and not allow a mixture in, in the pulpit? I believe, my friend, it is a move of God, and I believe it is the love of God. I believe it is the love of God to stand still and to allow nothing other than the focus of the Lamb to be in the pulpit at any time. And that is where the real suffering begins to happen. And that is where the division, even among God's people, begins to happen. And there's a choice. And really the root of what will determine which way we go is how much we're willing to suffer for the reproach of the name of Christ. Because the flesh, as I've already said, gets tired. The flesh gets tired of not having its rulership. The flesh gets tired of being called names. The flesh gets tired of being denied. And my friend, make no mistake about it, when we begin to reduce the focus and the power, when we begin to crack that door open for leaven just a little bit, that's the flesh glorying in self to that same degree. And we need to know these things. And those who are in true revival are going to be preaching the true revival message which is Christ and Him crucified. And with it, my friends, comes suffering that you and I don't even know the fullness of yet. And the reason people opt out of being determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified is not all the reasons they give. It's because they're opting out of the suffering that is inevitable. It's inevitable. It's coming. Suffering is coming. Persecution is coming. And if people are opting out of the determination to know nothing other now, during this time, think about how many are going to opt out in the days ahead when this nation turns like never before. It's already happening, but when it finds a place to put its foot down, and comes against the church like never before, how many are going to opt out of true suffering then? Opt out. Waxing cold from love, allowing iniquity to abound, being seduced by doctrines of devils, moving away from the faith. The faith, my friend, is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. And if that's the faith, that we're living by, we're going to suffer for it even more so in the days ahead. And I'd rather be found suffering for the sake of righteousness than suffering because of some religious thought or suffering because my flesh 
is in charge. I hope you've been encouraged today. I know those of you who are looking for truth have been. Truth. If you're looking for truth, you're going to find it. The Lord will be faithful to bring it to your heart, to show you what truth is, who truth is, and what truth is. So that the Spirit of glory and of God can rest upon us all the days of our lives. We're so blessed to be in this revival. We've been in this revival for almost 18 years. And it's only increasing with the fire of God. He said, our God has said, the path of the righteous, the path of the just, shines more unto that perfect day. And I pray that you'd find it shining brighter in your life, and I know you will if you cling to Calvary's Christ more than ever before. God bless you. I love you. Don't forget to pray for us. We pray today, right now, in Jesus' name, that every need you have, you would find the hand of the Lord reaching in, touching every single thing, every single thing in your life. When you touch Christ and Him crucified by faith from your heart, you're going to find the hand of the Lord touching every aspect of your life and revealing himself to you more than ever before. If the Lord stirs your heart to be a part of this ministry in a greater way, financially, your financial support is greatly appreciated as we stand together in this great truth of Christ and Him crucified. You can sow into this ministry. You can give an offering unto the Lord at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. We love you. I'll see you Wednesday night at 6.40 p.m. right here at Crossway Church or online on Facebook or YouTube. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.